making sense of it all. Helping you gain insight and take control of your wealth creation journey. Welcome back, listeners, to Making Sense of It All. This is our bonus episode today. We've got Brett Griffiths and we have Kenneth Beanland back for an economic summary. So we cut it out of the last episode um, because we've got a lot of content to cover here today. Uh, So we've kept Kenneth on board and we're going to cover off on the reporting season as well as an economic outlook because there's a lot going in on the market. So, Kenneth, I want to just rewind back about three or so weeks to the end of reporting season. So reporting season for the Australian share market ends about Feb. End of Feb. End of Feb. So what was, how'd the reporting season go? Well, hang on, what is the reporting season first? What, what is oh, it? Yeah, certainly. It so this is uh, really two times a year you mm-hmm. get to have a great in-depth look at how companies have been faring for one. Right. And... Uh, what their outlook is. So February uh, is called half-year reporting season. Mm -hmm. So that means for the first six months, um, and if you're uh, not aware that we run a financial year, that's 1 July through to 30 June, so that's why it's called Same same with the companies. (laughs) Yep, so half-year financial (laughs) reporting season. Uh, And basically you get to go, well, this is – CBA comes out or any any company comes out and goes, this is how we've gone for the last six months. Um, there's a very important part to this called consensus or market estimates, and that's all the research houses and all the fund managers will have their own views on how a company should have gone and how they are sp- supposed to go over the next six months and whether that company has come out and met those expectations or not. Yeah, um, well, that's where we see a lot of volatility in the share price on a day day trade on the back of if someone has missed their guidance right. or Miss, outperformed. Missed or outperformed. And you'll see you'll see big or downside big movements. You'll yeah. see big movements. Um, so going into reporting season, uh, this was probably one of the weaker earnings um, expectations that we had seen. Uh, so and mark, And the market was actually trading at quite elevated levels. And boy, do you want me to explain yeah, elevated go levels? Go yeah, into detail on what so, that, that looks like. <laughs> so elevated levels, by that I meant you're looking at how much the market is um, uh, priced to how much it's earning. So it's a PE multiple. Um, if you took out the resource companies uh, on our market, they were looking at around 19 times earnings. So you just think about it as in you're paying $1 Sorry, you're paying $19 for $1 of earnings. Yep. Now, typically, we trade at around 14 times. Yeah, right. There's clearly reasons for uh, that elevated multiple, um, but what you would like to have seen is higher earnings growth to support that. Yeah, so we wanted businesses to come out in reporting season and say we are, we've hit guidance or outperformed and forecasting for additional growth of our earnings. Yes, Mm. Um, So uh, it was a a reasonably underwhelming uh, reporting season. Uh, It's not to say that there was many misses. Um, That was reasonably on par with uh, the the previous reporting seasons, Um, but just not enough in the updates to give you confidence that that market multiple could hold. So really, if if they don't come through and increase earnings, then the price has to come back. 
Yes. Um, I, uh, I, I'm of that belief that yeah. uh, long-term you uh, earnings are the driver of, of a company's um, uh, share price appreciation. Yeah. Um, so when I say there's, there is uh, reasons for elevated multiples, if you don't have uh, a required return out of your cash or your bonds, so at the moment we're in a very low interest rate environment. Yes. Sure, your, your listeners are aware of, of, of how much we're getting interest in the you're getting in the bank. And what that does is it goes, well, if I require a return, I will need to go up the risk curve and go into, say, shares. Yes, yeah, so my 1% just isn't cutting it. To, for those who might be living off that income, mm-hmm. then they've got to push into riskier assets. Ris- riskier assets to generate that required return. And that's assuming they actually need that return too. Yes. So I have conversations <clears throat> with clients that talk about, well, I'm not earning enough you know, from my investments inside my super fund because they may be in cash or term deposits and that sort of thing. But I often will turn it back on them, back on them and say, do you actually need a higher return? Do they actually need to chase extra, you know, extra revenue given their capital base because what they have may be sufficient for them? So what that's done is people pushing into those riskier assets has mm-hmm. done what it's, to It market. has um, created an elevated market multiple. So that's yeah. going back to that 19 mm-hmm. times earnings. Um, and, and, and you see that in, one, the dividend-paying stocks, so those people that require that, uh, their income. Uh, and then you've also got those high-growth-type companies that, make the news, um, so things like Afterpay. Yeah. Um, it, it allows you to use, and I don't want to be too technical, but a lower discount rate on future cash flows. Okay. So just think about dividing, say, 10 by 10. So 10 would be your discount rate and $10 would be your earnings. You'd come back to a dollar. If you do $10 of earnings divided by one, it looks it's 10. Much so it looks much better. Yeah. And so that's why you get those really high... Um, flying stocks that can continue to hold those multiples in low interest rate so environments. That'd be more for tech stocks or uh, That's right. startup companies, I'd presume. Any sort of high growth earnings yeah. um, uh, that uh, uh, you see come through on the markets. Yeah. So then, what are we? What were we looking at at that point in time? What were we looking as the market's performance over the next twelve months, or what were you having conversations about clients? We were saying um, that markets are markets are elevated. Yeah. Um, so we had really strong growth over the last 12 to 18 months, uh, haven't we? Uh, yes, we had. We'd had a, um, a very strong um, period of returns, um, probably um, one of the highest returning years in recent memory. Um, yeah. It was around 25%. Um, and so what we were telling clients, um, and everyone's different on this, but we're, we're not market timers. So we were saying advise, um, watch on your asset allocation, make sure that you've got that in check, and then also the companies that you're invested in, make sure that you you feel confident uh, around um, their ability to withstand any sort of, uh, I suppose, downward pressure in markets. Yeah, so potentially in the next 12 months or period of time, we're thinking, Maybe there might be a little bit of weakness in the market if earnings didn't catch up mm-hmm. and uh, the expectation we might just be fairly flat and bring um, the return figures back yeah. into long-run averages most likely. Yes. that's uh, So we, we, were, we were saying exactly that. We thought it was going to be around dividend-type returns. So hardly 
um, any capital appreciation as the market digested a, a full year of earnings. Um, you, you'd get your dividends um, and hopefully that would stand up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So then let's jump to the A. Let's get into the exciting stuff. Let's have a look at the economic outlook, some of the major events that have taken place over the last couple of weeks. So what's going on? Let's start with OPEC. So mm. OPEC, who are they? What happened? We've got Trump. We've got we've got the Russia. We've got uh, over over in the, uh, the Saudis. Yeah. Saudis. So, uh, it's all going on there. So uh, what was that? So uh, there was a meeting um, done by uh, uh, there's several countries involved in um, uh, OPEC, um, and what they they're basically an oil cartel uh, now. <laughs> And they're, and they're they, right, they're they really right. are. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. 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 their job at the end of the day is to try and keep the price within a certain certain range. Uh, yes, uh, they, they talk about uh, different production levels. Yeah, so supply all and demand. Of supply oil. and demand. Um, how much they're going to be putting into the market, or what's been happening recently. Um, before this particular meeting was production cuts. So yep. they weren't flooding the market um, with increased oil. Yeah, so that keeps the price now, up. There's less, de- yeah. less supply. Yes. Demand keeps um, the price stays up. Now, it just so happened that uh, with, um, and I'm going to assume we're going to be touching on COVID-19 soon, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, the demand for oil uh, is probably at one of its weakest points um, since the GFC. Uh, now, instead of, Cutting production or maintaining those cuts, uh, Russia declined that, and the the meeting dissolved. Um, then on Sunday, and this is going back a couple of weeks, uh, the Saudis came out and advised that well, if we're not doing production cuts, we're going to flood the market. Uh, and, and and that was back on the back of um, Russia <coughs> and their their perspective that they were going to do the same. That's right, uh, and so they're playing a. Um, low, low margin, um, high volume game. Um, Which the Saudis can probably sustain for longer than what Russia can. And potentially um, much longer than the high cost shale producers can over in the US. So it could nearly drive out some of those US producers and shut down work over there, which would be crazy to think about. So on the back of that, we Mm -hmm. saw huge movements in some big names like BHP and Woodside Australian Mm -hmm. listed businesses that are in this space. Um, that I'd never seen before. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to that's played played out in the market. It certainly has, uh, and it's also played out uh, in uh, that high yield credit space, uh, where a lot of those US um, shale producers, those high cost producers. When I say high cost, it's high cost of production. Yep. Um, you look at the Saudis, perhaps the Russians, they can drill this out of the ground for a few dollars. Yes, they can't maintain their um, budget deficits, but they can produce for a long period of time at really low cost. Um, Our particular energy um, uh, producers uh, can't. Uh, So if you look at um, Woodside, um, which is one that you just mentioned, Jared, uh, it's looking at around a $14 um, barrel of oil. Um, If you you include how much they're looking at (coughs) for... um, uh, their capex, um, it's around that mid twenties. So, and then you just further up the, yeah, the curve. Yeah, and the, the price of oil at the market right now is about thirty. That's right. So previously, when it was at sixty, these businesses had a far bigger margin, so mm-hmm. they're far more profitable. Hence, why mm-hmm. you have this um, reduction in the share price because they aren't going to be as productive 
and um, is profitable going forward. And I presume that would not only affect oil, but other types of energy energy producers, like natural gas. Yes, 100%. Yep. Any sort of um, uh, substitute um, will will be under fire. And you're seeing that across that space. Right. So... This has been come at us when there was like a double whammy. We had this coronavirus mm. come about. So it kicked off in China and now it's just spreading the world. It's a pandemic. <laughs> it's, it is, a it's, pandemic. it's officially a pandemic. Uh, and this has <clears throat> really been a fast-moving beast. Yeah, so every every market correction that takes place is very unique. There's different drivers of what sends <clears throat> the market down and this is no different. This is very unique in the way that's taken place. Mm. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, if you'd asked me four weeks ago uh, whether the uh, a, a flu would have caused um, uh, what is effectively a, a shutdown of the global economy, yeah. So um, it's the yeah. airports shut, borders shut. We can't meet in groups bigger than ten yeah. over in the US. In the US. Well, um, I heard um, Qantas today has announced that ninety percent they're they're cutting ninety percent of their international, international travel. So that will then play into that oil. Discussion yes, we've talked before, <laughs> so it almost becomes this cycle, doesn't it? It does, uh, and uh, I, it's our view that I, uh, that that's what has really caused um, this significant um, unknown um, uh, effect on the global economy. Because the, the unknown, the, share market. the unknown is significantly around how long will we be in this shutdown period, mm. and mm. therefore how long. Will businesses be struggling to um, have any sort of income coming into their businesses and how long can they sustain these periods of no cash flow coming mm-hmm. into the businesses? And I, and I think we shouldn't lose sight of just how extraordinary these times are when you're talking about whole countries not only closing their borders but, as you said, Jared, completely closing, mandating the closing of basically all businesses, people movements. Mm. Well, it's we probably shouldn't even be this close together but we don't have enough room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's literally unprecedented in in economic terms as to what the global economy is experiencing, and and therefore it's uncharted territory by and large too. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the markets are you know, Australian market anyway. We're on a daily basis. We're seeing anywhere from one to two percent movements down to ten percent <laughs> drops in the market. Mm. Governments are implementing stimulus packages and doing all sorts of sorts of things. Let's talk to that and what that what that's been looking like and what that might result in going forward and where we think the the market's going to go. Well, it's looking like Kenny's lost some hair, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be more to come. I think if we keep going. So what we've seen is a coordinated uh, response by most central banks. Yep. Uh, and what they're focused on and what I actually believe is appropriate is they're focused on liquidity um, within the um, uh, credit markets. Yeah. Um, so what you don't want to see is this turn into a financial crisis like uh, at the GFC. <laughs> because it's driving a, a global slowdown in is. production and, and global growth. Mm. When businesses can't operate, no one's making money, basically. So it's a slowdown in global growth. And it, and, and I think you're touching on that. It's the second-order effects of this uh, that are quite worrying. Will this um, creep into consumers' um, psyche? 
really. Mm. Um, is this going to play out for longer? Well, than I think the market represents that. It already plays a part into our psyche yeah. that we sell it out does. of risk assets mm. and go into defensive assets. Mm. So the selling of them. Um, equities and shares and going into cash and raising cash mm. um, is exactly what we see. And then it's at that level above that is company earnings and then how long those company earnings will be um, will struggle. And I think uh, yeah, mm. that's a very important point at the moment because when we were talking about how companies were going in, in the reporting season, we're now seeing those companies withdraw that guidance. Yeah. Uh, mm. So there is a, um, a lack of confidence in businesses' ability for their read-through of how they're operating. Um, It is a a fairly serious um, uh, shutdown. Well, we can't even tell. So even our business, we can't tell, well, what um, level of staff there will be here or whether we need to send people home, Um, potential clients that were coming in, prospective clients coming in the doors. We're not wanting to meet face-to-face from their health perspective as well as ours. Mm. So it really puts a damper on businesses to conduct business. That's um, for sure. And I think it's important to note that we've actually, we're starting to see that that uh, fiscal side as well. Uh, we're seeing uh, governments start to support um, uh, the, their own, clearly their own domestic economies, but in conjunction with that monetary side, so that RBA, um, uh, the Federal Reserve cuts, um, liquidity injections by the ECB, all this is is hoping to um, to stimulate but perhaps just subside the global economy through this shutdown period. Yep. Um, and I think the volatility that we're seeing is not going to go away until we get greater, greater clarity around a timing of that of, of this particular shutdown. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be two, two components. So when we start seeing the peak, um, the virus and the spread of the virus start mm-hmm. to peak out, um, that's where I think the market will start to get some confidence. So we'll see vaccines that are coming into trial, mm-hmm. but the production of those vaccines and the ability to get them out. It's not like you come up with a vaccine tomorrow, you can go and give it yeah. a shot. Mm. So the vaccine might take six, 12 months to actually produce. So when we see the peak of the virus spreading and coming back to, to reality, that's where I think the market will pick up a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. But then the impact that the to the businesses is what's we then can't predict how long that will be sustained, but yeah, um, or, or how deep it's going to be. Like yeah. how many businesses will actually survive until whatever point you know that is mm. that people are happy to walk around and start spending again. Yeah. Mm. So we saw the Fed over in the US drop interest rates over there, um, do an emergency meeting, mm-hmm. and dropped half a percent. Uh, so they've done two now, so they're down to a they're down zero. They're basically zero. They're basically zero. 100, 100 yeah. basis points of cuts. Currently, the RBA um, cash rate here is that we had an interest rate cut previous mm-hmm. months. That took us down to uh, half a percent. Mm-hmm. We will have a an emergency RBA meeting that will take place on Thursday, Thursday. this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the time of, the, uh, of this recording, we're two days out from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the potential there and what the majority of people are forecasting is another interest rate cut that will move us towards 0.25. Where to from there, from RBA's ability to try and um, sustain um, growth in in oil at least. And and liquidity in financial markets. Yeah, not drop Uh, the R word of recession (laughs) and hopefully support us through that. Yeah, I I think it's uh, a given that they'll cut 
another 25 bips. Yep. Uh, and and we predicate that on the fact that they cut 25 basis points um, previous and then the Fed came out and did another 50 bips on top <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a given. Uh, I think then they move, uh, they, or, or they've signaled to the market that they won't move into negative interest rates and, and, and we'll take them at their word and we, we think that they'll stop around that. Yeah, so I did read an interesting bits. article in that regard. Mm. So we the concept is that we can't actually move into a negative interest rate environment on the back of our um, current deficit. And so we run at a deficit as, a, as, a, as Australia's economy. Um, so we need foreign investment mm-hmm. into Australia on the back of that, we can't go into negative interest rates. Otherwise, we won't have that foreign investment. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's an article a, a I read recently read. So therefore, they were stating that instead of going into the negative interest rates, we would then have to use other forms of uh, monetary policy yeah. to try and stimulate. And that would look like? Yeah, I think that they'll just go through um, uh, the, the standard bond buying uh, program um, that we've seen. Um, uh, so is that what we call, that's, what's that they call QE? QE, quantitative easing. They'll start, um, w- whether they just do uh, government bonds or they start moving down into the corporate um, world. So just think about um, providing liquidity to a bank. They'll, they'll go in and <coughs> go, well, we'll buy all um, uh, all your senior debt securities that you're, you're, you're listing okay, to make so sure that they've got. So through that. Mm, so okay. buying bonds. Yep. So, buy, so basically, what does that process do? For our economy, yeah, it, it basically means that, and I'll stick with the the NAB um, analogy for a minute, is that your NAB and you're worried about other people, think other companies that usually buy your bonds, um, whether they're actually going to accept them, and yeah. if they don't accept them, you have to start to offer up a higher yield, a higher premium for those bonds, um, which is quite bad for your balance sheet because it's costly. Yes, so. Uh, the RBA will step in and go, well, we will guarantee, and I'm, by the way, I don't know if they'll, they'll do this. This is just an example. Yeah, this is all hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, running out of the markets here. No inside yeah, trading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had this inside into the RBA. Um, uh, they'll go and, and go, well, we'll, we, we will guarantee all, all, um, uh, senior bond purchases, uh, for all the, all, all the, uh, major banks in Australia. Uh, to make sure that you've got enough liquidity in your um, balance sheet. Mm. Mm. So on the back of that, it also, by buying bonds, that also re- um, has a, an, uh, not correlating, but it's what the alternative of impact to the interest rate of those bonds. So the interest rate on those bonds would drop. That's, uh, well, uh, if, if there was uh, heavy demand for it, um, I would assume that this might be uh, uh, set out with the RBA. Yeah. Some so point. usually an inverse relationship. But you're right. no, 100%, price yes, goes 100%. up, so bond buying is done, yep. interest rate goes down. Yes. So what that actually does is it gives businesses the opportunity to basically get cheaper money. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that means that they'll go and lend it out to the small businesses, to the medium businesses, yep. to cheaper rates to generate the economy. Yeah, exactly. So that's monetary policy. We then have the ability to do the government to do fiscal mm. and bring in fiscal policy. Yep. Fiscal policy in the form of potentially tax rate cuts, mm-hmm. um, infrastructure spending. Mm-hmm. Um, what a, talk to that? Oh, um, uh, so we've we've had uh, governments around the world uh, come out and uh, announce that they are doing those those particular. Um, uh, 
uh, announcements or policies that you've just mentioned. Um, in Australia, I think that there um, there's still a long way to go. We've we've heard that there's going to be uh, further um, fiscal response by the, the by the government, um, and when that comes in, we're not sure. Uh, but you're right. So um, infrastructure uh, spend may may increase. Um, that's building for those um, uh, aren't, aren't sure. Just think of it as uh, say building roads or building bridges. Yeah, so you're um, building core infrastructure employed and therefore yes. come onto those jobs. Mm-hmm. Contracts go out to different businesses. Again, mm-hmm. cash flow going through yeah. the economy. Yeah. The problem with infrastructure spend though is there's such a long lead time between making it available, so to speak, mm-hmm. so announcing it. And then actually that turning into the actual construction and and turning that to cash in people's pockets. And I think you've seen that. I I completely agree. Um, And I think you've seen that with the um, recent announcement by the government where they've gone families first, give it to the people. Um, And so you've got um, some cash handouts uh, for for particular uh, uh, consumers out there, yeah, um, and again, that puts money in their pocket to go out and put go it out into, and spend, yep. um, and help them out in these in this uncertain time. Yeah. Mm. So, where what's the sort of give us a short term being next couple of weeks, medium term six months, long term twelve months, two years, sort of idea of the market. Like we've seen significant volatility right now. You're mm-hmm. saying it. You think it will. We'll see this volatility continue. So we're not talking about we've hit the bottom of the market. Mm-hmm. No one's going to predict that. But where do we think we'll be in a couple of weeks' time? <laughs> we're probably potentially further downside on the back of the corona still spreading, lockdowns remaining, government staying isolating. Yeah, uh, I think it's a, um, a pretty poignant question that you ask, um, but one that uh, really we try and and actually not to answer to clients because we don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> so was going to get in there. <laughs> what, we, what we're advising to do um, <clears throat> is make sure that you're comfortable with what type of assets that you're holding through this period. Make sure that the asset allocation is in check um, and make sure that those companies, because of our belief is that there's more volatility to come. And if there's more volatility, you want to make sure that those businesses or um, those assets that you've got can can ride this out. Yeah, um, it's um, I would say unprecedented, uh, mm. as Brett put it, um, of this type of event. Um, however, uh, over the medium term, which I, I can answer, um, we think that this will dissipate. Yeah, because it comes back to <laughs> if I thought um, if I'm looking at some of the, the companies in my portfolio today, and three weeks ago I thought they were good businesses. Do I think Corona is going to have a this fundamental impact that might send this company back door. And if it doesn't, well, I've got, I'm holding quality assets with strong balance sheets and I should hold them for the long term and ride out this volatility. And within my overall asset allocation, I should have a defensive part of my portfolio that I may look to reweight on these kind of times of market volatility into more growth assets on opportunity. If opportunities arise. Yeah. Or all growth assets full far enough. Yeah. We didn't really touch on the, the big R word of recession. What's the what's the potential of a recession if we're going into it? And firstly, what is a recession? Good, good question. So uh, a, um, a recession is two quarters of negative growth um, for an economy. Yeah. 
Um, we haven't had one since 92, 93. Yeah, almost 30 years. Yeah. Why is that because I'm older? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a very long. We have printed uh, negative quarters of growth, but not too consecutively. Yeah. Um, with the current shutdown of our economy, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, as well as um, the um, the shutdown of China, where we're intrinsically linked to, um, probabilities uh, have have risen rapidly for at, um, at two quarters of uh, negative growth, which would formalise a recession. Um, it depending on which um, uh, economist that you're reading, um, uh, whether that happens or not is still up for debate. But I think everyone's in agreement that the this present quarter uh, will be a negative print. It, and it looks more and yeah. more likely that we'll end up in that recession. It does. it does. Well, because not only have we had in this current quarter the droughts but also the bushfires. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, so we didn't even speak about that. That's what started this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Is that, that was the lead into the That's potential right. that the economy mm-hmm. was starting to struggle and we had these other events that took taken place. Mm-hmm. Then it led to... Well, we had the the OPEC and the oil, as well as Corona. Mm. Yeah, Two thousand and twenty is kicked with a big, it has. a big slump, hasn't yeah, it? It's been a confluence sure. of factors uh, that are all pointing yeah. towards a um, uh, a technical recession. Yeah, mm. so a technical recession taking place. But again, we, we do have we talk about it, the government has the arsenal to try and stem the flow in the economy and try and stimulate the economy to avoid it. So, Kenny, one thing that I've I've heard floating around is the possibility of the Australian government actually issuing bonds. So, you know, governments can issue bonds mm-hmm. to, to raise money, but then the RBA actually buying those bonds. Yes. So exactly what I was talking about with NAB, uh, NAB before, uh, I just chose the corporate side. Yeah, okay. Um, you, you can certainly do it through the, the government side, and that's um, a very normal way to put it. Right. Um, to me, apologies. Just, yeah, uh, uh, apologies for not uh, clarifying no. that. It can be. It just seems a little bit crazy that and it the seems government to blur the, the lines between monetary and fiscal policy. Yeah, because you almost well, and plus point. the government are really playing two sides of the fence, aren't they? That, that's mm. what I'm saying. It's yeah. blurring those lines between. Okay, well, what is it? What policy is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, which string are they actually pulling? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we live in fairly unusual times, and. Uh, uh, that that has been done before. Um, there's actually okay. calls for it over in the US um, through that modern monetary um, uh, theory uh, that's been bandied about that um, with interest rates as low as they are, you can run continu- perpetual government deficits mm-hmm. and been funded by your Federal Reserve. Um, it almost turns money into monopoly money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That never gets repaid. Yeah. yeah, until hyperinflation happens. So, uh, <laughs> but, so you're um, full of happy news. <laughs> but uh, there's smarter people than me uh, involved in these decisions. Thank goodness. <laughs> so we're going to be in this low interest rate environment for longer. That's inevitable. We'll probably see QE take place. We'll see if we can avoid the recession. Mm-hmm. That's becoming more and more likely. Um, those that have been invested in the market have seen significant volatility in their portfolios. Certainly. What sort of confidence and do you have you you've been fielding a lot of phone calls in this regard, reassuring those clients in what they're doing, balancing their underlying investments with an appropriate asset allocation? But for those that might be sitting in cash, 
it seems like a really significant opportunity to really get um, some good businesses or get get some exposure to the investment markets at uh, prices that we haven't seen for a long time. For a very long time. Uh, we're, what's and the, where's I'm, the market I'm taking that, back to that view? Where, where um, well, we've, we've, we've hit 4,800 a couple of times. So Friday, uh, we sort of bounced off that level and today. So 4,800 we're talking about? Uh, the ASX um, 200 level. So that's um, the price of that. Yep. So, so uh, roughly speaking, yep. so uh, the previous high that. was before this all took place. Seven thousand one hundred. Yep. Around that. Uh, so we've had a significant fall. Um, but what we're telling clients that are, uh, are currently invested, make sure that what you're holding is uh, quality yep. um, that can ride through these cycles and that will bounce back. Uh, what we're telling clients that aren't invested and that um, uh, have significant amounts of cash on the sideline, we're actually saying to take a staggered approach. We don't want to be... Um, Again, you're not peaking the bottom of the market, no. so you've got to take that staggered approach. Can yeah. I just go through and jump in feet? Just slowly in investing into those larger uh, capitalisation stocks, so the biggest stocks on our market, um, at hopefully reasonably regular intervals uh, and averaging that cost down that, we believe that hopefully in another two or three years when we're not talking about corona, COVID-19. Yeah. And the, uh, again, these the markets, markets have been through these things before, back. right? Mm. Like again, if you if you do put it on a long um, chart of a 30-plus years, it, these um, Spanish viruses and all these other ones that have taken place, they just become blips on the radar. And I'm sure the market will see this out 12 months' time. Markets will hopefully um, yeah. come back to reality. Businesses will be up and running. You think of a Sydney airports. Okay, lockdown for now, but in 12 months' time, that business should be floodgates open, number of traffic, traffic numbers coming back through, and that business should be generating the same revenue it was back in 2019. Yeah. And that's where you might see the potential bounce back in those share prices, I think. Yeah. And in theory, those bounce backs are going to happen pretty quickly too. Yeah, my the interesting thing to consider is what will happen to the property market. So we're in this low rate investment, um, we're in this low rate investment market, but that's um, driven people to take on more debt. But if we then have a prolonged period where people are getting laid off, like casual workers or those that are were newly employed or something, and they're getting laid off, people's ability to repay debt and pay off their home loans, <coughs> if this is prolonged. Like that may occur, and that may have a significant impact on property markets as well. I think it's those second uh, second order effects that we were talking about, and yeah. that's a big one. Yeah, right. I don't think the property market will be impacted by the casual workers, but if this is protracted and businesses are then forced to lay off full time staff, yeah, then that's where I think we'll definitely have it because yeah. if banks aren't willing to support people not repaying their mortgages, which then obviously has impact on their share price their own liquidity, all those sort of things, then something has to give. Yeah, so even if I've got a very cheap home loan, if I if I can't uh, get work and get income, I can't pay it no matter what happens. Mm. So that could potentially lead to uh, weakness in property prices as well. Um, but I think in the short term, we've seen really good performance of the property market and, and growth numbers. Mm. Well, clearance rates in Sydney and Melbourne are still... 70 plus percent. So and properties here in Brisbane are, are getting 40 to 50 groups through open homes on a weekend. So massive numbers and, and great yeah. results for Brisbane. But people were forecasting really strong numbers in all uh, the, the main East Coast capital cities, um, but they weren't predicting Corona. No, that's <laughs> exactly right. 
Mm. So is there any other aspects, uh, current market conditions, saying hold the line, longer term, this will ride out, it'll just be another, um, well, well t- terminology-wise, black swan event. Is this, yeah. Would this be regarded as a black swan I'd, event? I personally would regard it as a black swan oh, event. I haven't heard of a black swan yeah, event. Yeah, so, uh, so don't quote me on the year, but there was uh, originally a um, uh, a thesis around that there was no black swans in the world, they were only white. Right. Until they got to, I think it was Western Australia. Mm. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, well, they uh, black swans. And they yeah. found, and they found uh, black swans. So it was a black swan event, uh, un- unusual um, uh, event out of left field that you can't predict happening. Yeah. Uh, so this would so I, I would certainly regard exactly COVID nineteen yeah. as a black swan event. Yeah. I've just learned something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you want to summarise? Um, we've significant volatility in the market. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, important in times like these to go back to what you're trying to achieve. Make sure that your asset allocation is in check. And your ability to accept that amount of risk is also consistent with how you're feeling, um, because it's it's vitally important not to panic in these sort of situations, yeah. not to crystallise losses, try and time time yourself in and out of exactly. the market. Uh, in our view, because it's one thing to pick the top of the market; it's you've also then got to pick the bottom of the market. Otherwise, <laughs> if you're sold out halfway mm-hmm. and the market bounces back through and you're sitting on cash, well, you were no better off later. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, uh, make sure what you're holding um, is uh, quality um, and that can can ride through these sorts of events. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So um, we'll see the governments continue yeah. to intervene. They, Who knows what that might look like. Don't be concerned about the, the headlines of QE. Um, it, it may be inevitable um, that it comes to here in Australia. Um, but the, the governments will be doing everything they can to try and support the economy as a whole. Um, we'll do our part and try and not spread the virus. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose really it comes back to looking at your investment strategy, looking at the companies that make up your asset portfolio. If you're still happy with them, don't get too concerned about the, the volatility yeah, in the share price. That's yeah. right. Exactly. That's right. Oh, that's been excellent, Kenny. I think... Um, We'll actually have you back in like in a couple months' time to continue with a few economic updates, and we might uh, see how the coronavirus has spread through the economy and what the economy looks like in a couple months' time. It'll be my pleasure. I look forward to it. Yeah, thanks awesome. for having me, guys. Thanks, Kenneth. Yeah, thanks, Kenneth. So, thanks for joining us, listeners. I hope uh, that extended edition of the economic summary was insightful. As we said, Kenneth will be joining us in a, a couple months' time again to do another economic summary, and we'll see how things are going. Um, but if you do have any questions, uh, please reach out to us, making sense of it all at vincents.com.au, and uh, we'll sh- be sure to answer any queries you have in that regard. So thank you all for joining us. Until next time, gain insight and take control. The information contained in this podcast should not be interpreted as advice. It is general in nature and does not take into account your individual financial situation or needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial decision, we recommend you consult with a licensed professional advisor to consider your unique circumstances. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned. 